0: You may be seated. I love that last course, don't you? Isn't that great? That's kind of the theme of the series we're going to be going through for these next weeks. Highlands and heartaches, experiencing God on the mountains and in the valleys of life, right? The Lord is with us in both of those places, and he has for us. something. You might be on a mountaintop today. You might be experiencing inspirational things in your life, and you're giving thanks to Jesus for everything he has you just see on the mountaintop you're on. Praise God for that. You might be in a valley today, a deep valley, and you're finding God is sufficient and his grace is there, and the Lord's there too. There's something to be learned on both the mountaintops and the valleys of life. And so in these next weeks, we're gonna be look weeks, we're gonna be looking at the mountains and the valleys of Scripture. And we're gonna be asking ourselves the question: what is God trying to show me on this mountain or in this valley? And what does God want me to take? with me for having been in this place and this morning we're going to start by talking about the first mountain mentioned in the Bible it's the mountain or the mountains of Ararat we're going to be going through a lot of scripture this morning so let me ask you to take out your Bible and turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 we'll begin there Genesis chapter 6 and let's pray as we begin Father God, you know right where we are in our life. You know where we are. You're right there with us. So, Father, in this place where we are right now in our life, teach us the things you would have us to know about yourself. Draw us closer to you through the circumstances of our life. Lord, help us to know you better. Give us cause to love you more. Lord, thank you. Be with us in Jesus' name through this message, and in the way we carry it from this place. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The mountains of Ararat. Ararat just means holy or sacred. These are the holy or sacred mountains. And so we're going to go on a journey this morning, and we're going to end up at the mountains of Ararat. That journey begins in Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start reading with verse 1 because we have a lot of Scripture to read. Even though we don't stand up every time we read Scripture, I know you're standing in your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Listen to what it says about the times in which these verses were written. Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, And they took for themselves whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. One of the things that we see in this chapter is the days in which we're talking about were days of tremendous spiritual chaos and corruption. It talks about the sons of God. There's been much debate about who that is speaking of here. Let me just say this. The words translated sons of God here in this passage are mentioned three other times in the Old Testament, always speaking of angels, every time they speak of angels. This bene Elohim, the sons of God. So something very unusual is happening here. The sons of God looked upon the daughters of men, flesh and blood women, and apparently they had illicit relationships with them. That boggles your mind, join the line, because it is a mind-boggling thing. There was tremendous spiritual corruption going on in the earth during that time. Terrible things were happening. And there were offspring born from these unions between fallen angels and human women. They were called the Nephilim. Some translations translate it giants. They were called the men of renown. By the way, the Bible speaks of giants. Goliath was a giant. He was almost 10 feet tall of Bashan was a giant. His bed was 12 feet long and 6 feet wide. The giants of Gath had 6 fingers on each hand and 6 toes on each foot. The Anakim were giant. The Zumzumim were giants. These fallen creatures. There was spiritual chaos going on in the earth during those days. It was a terrible, terrible time. So bad, in fact, That God says, I'm going to have to put a stop to this. In 120 years, this will end. I will have done with it. It's going to stop. But not only was there spiritual chaos in the heavenlies, there was spiritual chaos in the hearts of men during this time. Let's read a little bit further. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The commentator Kidner wrote, a more emphatic statement of the wickedness of the human heart is hardly conceivable. Wickedness reigned in the hearts of men. And every part of his nature was touched by sin. His relationships, his family, his business, the way he governed Everything had been tainted by sin, marred and defaced by iniquity. That was the world in which they lived. Genesis 6, we read on, The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I'm sorry that I've made them. I wonder if God ever says that today when he looks upon this earth. You know, one of the things that caught my attention here in these familiar verses was not only man, but animals were affected by this. Listen, my sin doesn't just affect me. It affects everyone and everything around me. When Adam sinned, it just didn't affect Adam. It affected Eve. It affected every generation that came after him. In fact, a whole, the whole world was cursed because of his sin, and the whole world is still groaning under that curse today, waiting for the redemption that is going to come through Jesus Christ. I watched a show the other day about elephants. We like nature shows at our house. The show about an elephant, a little elephant, they had hand raised, and they were talking about the statistics, how soon there won't be any more elephants. Watch a show not long ago. They showed an area of the sea, the ocean, filled with plastic. It looked like you could just step out and walk on the plastic. Where does that come from? It comes from the sinful hearts of men. Greed. Ambition. Self-will. Self-will. Well, God looked upon the world, and that's all He saw in the hearts of men. He saw spiritual chaos in the sinful hearts of men. He says, I'm sorry that I made them. Well, God didn't stop there, amen. That wasn't the end of the story. He provided a witness and a way of salvation. Read with me, beginning with verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was righteous, a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God, the Bible says. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. God had found a witness. A righteous man. By the way, uh, Don't begin to think that Noah was a perfect man. He was not. There was no such thing as a perfect man other than Christ. But he found in Noah someone who had a heart for God. And Noah didn't put that heart in himself. God had raised him up for just such a time as this. God in his grace had provided a witness to a sinful world. Isn't our God gracious? If I would have looked upon the world that day, I would just said, "That's it. We're done. We'll just start this again." Not our Father. I'll send them one more witness. I'll give them one more chance. Yet again, I will reach out to Him, and He sent a witness. Named Noah. The Bible, as we read further, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. Its length shall be 300 cubits, about a football field and a half. Its breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits, about four stories high. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it a cubit from the top and set the door in the ark and the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, even I am bringing the flood upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the kinds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. So he did. God had provided a witness, and he had also provided a way of salvation. All mankind was not going to be lost. There was an ark, a place of refuge, a place of safety that God had provided. And that ark was a picture, a forerunner, a type of Jesus Christ amen we see in that archetype of Christ that ark was made by God's plan God had carefully planned this out and revealed that plan to man you know before the foundations of the earth were laid God had a plan for your salvation he knew exactly what was going to happen he was going to allow his son Jesus Christ to come down from the right hand of the father and to be born in a stable in Bethlehem so that he could live a sinless life, perfect God and perfect man, so that he could qualify to die in your place. God had a plan before you were born for your salvation. What a plan! It was a glorious plan. Notice one thing about that ark. In God's divine plan, there was only one door in the ark, into the ark. Only one. Provided by God. Jesus said, I am the door. He also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but through me. Friend, there's only one way into the safety of God's salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. Only one. And friend, if you think Noah provided that door, you would be wrong. It was God who provided the door the verses that follow, there's an interesting statement. It says, when they had come into the ark, the Lord closed the door behind them. He sealed them in the ark. Our salvation provided in Christ was provided by grace, by love, by mercy. All we did was accept it, to do as the Lord has commanded us to do, and enter in. Salvation and a witness for 120 years noah worked on the ark that is a long time to build a ship and must have been strange because they'd never even seen it rain and moses was preaching about the coming wrath of god a great flood that would cover the whole earth and they'd never even seen rain he was building a ship on stands in an area where there was no water. There wasn't a lake. There wasn't a river. Yet he was faithful to God. For 120 years, he built, and as he was building, he was preaching. A writer of the New Testament called him the righteous preacher. He was telling people to flee the wrath to come, to repent of their sins, place their faith in him, and flee the wrath to come. But they wouldn't listen. They didn't understand that everything that they were going to need was in the ark. Safety was to be found in the ark. Provision was to be found in the ark. Fellowship was to be found in the ark. They didn't see it. Friend, there is a wrath to come. The witness of God, his holy word says we are to flee the wrath to come. And we do that by running to Jesus Christ. Everything that we need to sustain us will be found in Christ. All the promises of God are to be found in him. They are yea and amen unto the glory of God through us. Amen. He gave a witness. And he gave a way of salvation. But then came judgment and a rescue. Look with me in chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, by the way, Do you think this is an allegory? (laughs) On the 600th year, he gives the month, he gives the day. It sounds to me like he's talking about a specific event that happened in time. This is not an allegory. This is not a parable. This is an event that happened in real time. All the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all flesh in which was the breath of life. Those that entered male and female of all flesh entered as God had commanded him. And the Lord closed it, the door behind them. Then there came a day when the, the door was closed. They'd heard the message. God had provided his salvation. And they probably assumed, I can wait. There may be another day. There may be another chance. Or maybe there's, this is not true. But there came a day when the door of the ark was closed and that was their last chance and that was the last time they heard the message. The door was closed. Salvation for them was done. Because they had rejected the word. They had rejected the testimony. They had rejected God's gracious offer. Bible says, and the flood came upon the earth for 40 days. And The water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Amen. And so judgment came and all flesh was destroyed there's coming a day of judgment upon the earth Peter talked about it not one of water but one of fire and everything on the earth and everything in it is going to be burnt with fire everything in this world is going to be destroyed You know, I think about that and I think, does it make any sense to invest so much in the things that are headed for the fire pit? Does it really make sense to be investing my life and getting money to put in a bank that will one day not be there? Does it make any sense at all for me to buy a bigger home just to have one, knowing that one day that home and everyone like it will be gone? There's no sense to it. There's no meaning to it. There's no purpose in it. The things of this world are passing away. They will come under the judgment of God. And only the things of God are going to last. That day is coming. So Noah and his children, his wife and their wives, rode out the flood. And by the way, I don't think it was an easy journey just because they were in the ark, do you? I imagine they felt it in the ark when a a wave the size of a skyscraper bashed against the side of the ship. I imagine they felt it. As the first rains came, I imagine they heard the cries of the people banging on the door of the ark, trying to get in. And for some time, they probably were able to see people hanging on the outside of the ark. Hoping for a salvation that they could have only found in Christ. It was not an easy journey. But they were in Christ. And so they were safe and they were provided for. And when we come to Jesus Christ in faith, he has not promised us an easy life. He's not said to us, now that you are in Christ, you'll have everything, the best of the world. You'll never have a struggle, you'll never suffer, you'll never be sick, you'll never be tired. No, Jesus promised us exactly the opposite. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will be tossed about by a sinful world. And even if you are as righteous as you can be in Christ, You'll be persecuted by the unrighteous. But that's not the end of the story. Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And here's where we come to our destination. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused the wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained and the water receded steadily from the, east, from the east to the end of, at the end of 150 days the water decreased. In the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. They were in Christ. And now the difficulties of the journey with him were over. The ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. I'd love going back and reading these stories again. Hopefully you remember them from your youth. But what does this have to do with us today? Friend, we're living in a day of great spiritual chaos and corruption. There are things that are happening in our world today that can only be explained by a spiritual battle going on in the heavenly. Paul said it, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Friend, there's a battle going on, and it's a spiritual battle, and you can see the effects of it everywhere. Turn on the news. That's just not men acting like sinful men. That's a reflection of a spiritual war that's taking place in our world. Those are the days in which we live. And there's a darkness coming over the land. A shroud seems to be coming over the nation. Sinfulness. But what does that have to do with us today? Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37. Turn over there with me if you would, Matthew chapter 24. Begin with verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Just like it was in the days of Noah. Spiritual chaos and corruption. And corruption. Sinfulness and wickedness in the hearts of men that seem to be prevailing upon the earth. But God has sent us a message and a messenger. He's given us the message of salvation in Jesus Christ, our Savior. The good news of the gospel. Amen. But The wrath is coming. That last part of that passage in Matthew used to confuse me. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving and marriage. What's wrong with that? They were just living their life, right? But that's the whole point. Moses had been preaching for 120 years that the wrath of God was going to fall on this earth, and they lived as if it was not true, as if it was never going to happen. It was all a myth, a fairy tale. They just went on with their life. The reality is, y'all, whether we see God's judgment upon the earth in our lifetime or whether we stand before the Lord, every person will experience judgment. For the saint, for the child of God, there's just the judgment of our works for the purpose of giving rewards. The unsaved, there's the judgment of works to show that their condemnation and eternal destruction is righteous. But we can't live as if that's not going to happen. We can't just go through life living today as if those things were a fairy tale. The Bible says that everyone who has this hope within him, speaking of the coming of Christ, purifies himself. We need to live as if that's real. It's going to happen. We need to prepare our lives for that moment. We need to work in Christ for that moment. We need to share the gospel for that moment. We can't just dismiss it. Well, God has been so gracious. Amen. If you need Jesus Christ, you can come to him today. Amen. You can come into the ark of God's salvation, but there's only one door and there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. There's no magic words. God looks at the thoughts and intent of our heart but if this is the thought and intent of your heart, you can pray this prayer with me. Just pray out loud Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I believe Jesus Christ, your Son, died on the cross in my place right now. I repent. I turn away from my old life of sin and I turn to you in faith. I give you my life. And I ask you to walk with me all the way to heaven. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe that you're here this morning and you're a child of God. You're in the ark. But friends, we need to live as if we've been delivered. As if we've been saved. We need to live with the realization that there is a wrath to come. And people's only hope of escaping that wrath is faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We need to live in that every day. Amen. This life is not easy, right? Even in Christ. I don't imagine life on the ark was a cruise, do you? it was tough it was in the middle of a storm it was difficult but God brought them to Ararat I don't know what you're going through in your life but God has for you a Mount Ararat a place of rest where the wicked cease from troubling Amen Amen There'll be no more crying and no more tears. God will wipe away every tear from our eye. There'll be no more sorrow and there'll be no more pain. Amen. Mount Ararat, the place of rest. Amen. Isn't God good to provide so much for us in Christ? Isn't our Lord wonderful? how great is our god if you made a decision during our service this morning there'll be instructions after the service online or i'll be here at the front after the service if you need to come with me and talk with me or pray with me but we walk this journey together amen we're headed for mount ararat the place of rest amen would you pray with me father god we give you thanks and we give you praise how wonderful you are none of the good things we've described we've earned not a one of them were worthy of not one of them are deserved but by your grace and through jesus christ our savior you have provide, provided all that we need Lord, we are in the storms of life, but thank you for the promise of the place of rest that awaits us. We love you, Father. We ask that in every step of our journey, we'll learn more about you. We'll love you more, know you better. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen.